Hey everyone, it is Matt from the Medusa Metacast. You may have seen some videos that I have put out before that pertain to COVID or the mandates, and admittedly, those are not my favorite things to talk about, but they are still conversations that people are having because they are very prudent. And we're at a strange time now in Canada with regards to mandates. And seeing as I'm one of the few government employees that still remembers who I work for, which is the citizen and not for myself, I feel obligated to weigh in and at least maybe share some points of view in a manner that perhaps maybe you would enjoy listening to. I was up late last night recording uh, a video that was about an hour long that was called COVID and the Human Ego, and I ended up scrapping it because I didn't really like how it turned out, and the hour length of it probably is going to deter some people from listening to it, admittedly. Um, so as a result, I'm going to record three smaller episodes, and I thought it would be fun to introduce one of my favorite books that I'm going to read one excerpt from for each of the videos to get them going. And the three videos for your interest is going to be um, regarding COVID and information in general. Um, we're going to have another one about democracy and one about humanity in general. And so I'm hoping they'll be about 15 or 20 minutes long. We'll see how this one pans out. And I just wanted to share my thoughts regarding perhaps a philosophical, hopefully it ends up with some wisdom embedded in it, take on maybe where we're at with regards to our understanding of things. And so I want to start off uh, reading an excerpt. Um, you may have seen behind me, um, there on the wall that I have a book called The Debtor's Companion, a Dictionary of Aggressive Common Sense. And that is one of my favorite books of all time. I highly recommend you go uh, purchase it if you don't have it. It was written by an incredibly uh, well-respected uh, Canadian thinker named John Ralston Saul. And um, I won't be reading from that version. That's a, uh, a first edition. That's a uh, hardcover signed. No big deal. But this is the actual one I purchased in my 20s, uh, nearly 20 years ago. Um, it was published in 1995. And it's kind of a, got a bunch of excerpts in it, almost like a dictionary. And you can uh, read them as you go along. But I want to read the entry on facts. Because facts are something that we seem to be obsessed with in the modern era. Although I remain unconvinced that Many people actually know what a fact is, or perhaps a useful way to discuss it. And so, John Ralston Saul writes that facts are tools of authority. Facts are supposed to make truth out of a proposition. They are the proof. The trouble is that there are enough facts around to prove most things. They have become the comfort and prop of conventional wisdom the music of the rational technocracy, the justification for any sort of policy, particularly as advanced by special interest groups, expert guilds, and other modern corporations. Confused armies of contradictory facts struggle in growing darkness, support ideological fantasies. They stuff bureaucratic briefing books. He goes on to elaborate a little bit more um, within a context of some historical 
encyclopedia, but I'm not going to delve too much into that right there. Now, I will continue on and skip that part and say there is little room for such care, right, in parsing between facts and the value of each fact in a corporatist society, which he would argue we live in, and I would tend to agree. Facts are the currency of power for each specialized group. But how can so much be expected from these innocent fragments of knowledge? They are not able to think, and so cannot be used to replace thought. They have no memory, no imagination, and no judgment. They're really not much more than interesting landmarks which may illuminate our way as we attempt to think. If properly respected, they are never proof. They always illustrate. And that is his take on what facts are. And I agree with him because facts are claims about the world that may or may not be true. And it is often to our own detriment that we interpret facts or information to necessarily constitute knowledge. And we generally prefer to implement them in our lives in a way where they just prop up, as John mentioned, received wisdom. But facts alone cannot bear the weight of what it is that humans value. And it caused me to think about two other terms that I'm not sure I ever heard prior to the pandemic, but since we have found ourselves in the pandemic, I think that I've probably heard these words every single day. Um, so we're up in the hundreds of times now I've heard this word. And I've always become concerned when a word that I'd previously not heard becomes fashionable, because that means that it's being used politically, or it's at least being used in a way to mean either everything or nothing. And I feel like I have um, found two words that either mean everything or nothing. And those are misinformation and disinformation. Now, the connotation of these is similar to that of describing a disdain or hatred for something, right? As being phobic, where in reality, someone may actually hate something, but we feel like we are benevolently giving them the benefit of the doubt by simply saying that, well, maybe it's based on an irrational fear. It gives an air of charity towards those with which you disagree, uh, instead of just calling them liars or stupid or evil or whatever you uh, could imagine. Like somehow you're the virtuous one, and it is either a misunderstanding that defines your opponent uh, or fear that somehow is turned into this irrational fear or hatred of something. It is a very strategic word to use because it gives people that use the word an opportunity to claim that they aren't being overtly offensive or aggressive or engaging in name calling. They have separated the individual from the information they are espousing and that they somehow believe that they can convince you. And maybe they're right that they have convinced many that simply attacking the information through this way is a honest endeavor because otherwise we would be attacking the person and that would be an ad hominem logical fallacy, right? We can't do that. So we will just simply call every single thing that's uttered that we disagree with either mis or disinformation. And that will more or less cause us to categorize 
the person or the system from which all that information is flowing is being unreliable. And therefore, we can get away with not actually making an overt attack on the individual, but simply framing them in a way where over time, you will just begin to perceive them as being uh, unreliable with respect to what it is that they say. And I find that very um, funny that we seem to be so easily uh, fooled by that strategy. But something else that I thought about when it came to the words myths and disinformation, because as I said, they apparently mean everything and nothing at the same time, which is an indication these words are only used politically or for power, is that misinformation is untrue information or incorrect information that's being dispensed in support of a claim that someone believes to be true, but it could be either misleading and it's done um, either intentionally or unintentionally. Whereas disinformation would be the same type of information, but it's being deliberately done to deceive somebody. Now, I've thought a great deal about this, um, and it's not something that I haven't thought about um, for a very long period of time, um, because I did a great deal of thinking about it about 20 years ago, where I eventually reached the conclusion that, just like facts that Saul mentions in his book, that these are things that generally we use to justify our own beliefs. Um, I run into people all the time and have conversations where I will point out to them or they will point out to me that presuppositions we hold or beliefs that we hold really aren't true or they're at least not verifiable. And most information that we have uh, that we tend to utilize on a regular basis in our lives I feel actually constitutes either mis- or disinformation. In fact, I would say that 99% of anything that is currently being held as fact in my mind or yours could probably be described as mis- or disinformation. And that's part of the amazing quality of these words is that they pretty much describe everything. And if they describe everything, well, then they really don't describe anything in particular. And so you have to be careful whenever someone is using those words, because if you believe something to be the case, well, you're pretty, pretty much only um, a set of facts away to the alternative to proving you wrong, right? As Saul mentioned, the problem with facts is there are enough of them around to prove just pretty much anything you want. And that moves me on to the nature of truth and evidence. We all like to believe that we rely heavily on evidence when it comes to things. But we actually know this isn't the case. We make most of our decisions and we live most of our life informed by emotion. Now, it's not as if as a result of maybe everything being categorized as mis or disinformation that Somehow we should just ignore evidence, we shouldn't care about truth, we shouldn't engage in any of these types of things in order to maybe come to a closer approximation of truth so that maybe we're at least on a somewhat better track. But I know that I don't care about evidence with everything, and I know that most people that talk about information, especially COVID-related information, also don't care about evidence. I have not read every single study that has come out and every single piece of research that has come out pertaining to the legitimacy of mandates, to the legitimacy of 
these vaccines, which you could argue don't even qualify as vaccines, to whether or not certain other measures or treatments would be beneficial. But I've tried to read as many of them as I have time to, permitting that my patients obviously will wear thin. These documents are extremely large and hard to get through. But I don't know if I've met anybody personally that's actually read any of these documents. And so really, most of us are just taking it on faith that these documents say what it is that they profess to claim. And we're just having it filtered through whatever politician or news media or celebrity that you happen to be listening to. And so if you really cared about evidence, well, you'd be reading the documents themselves. You'd be reading these studies and this research, but you aren't, right? You're not, and I'm not even reading all of them either. And so I think that there's kind of a weird disconnect here between the confidence with which we espouse our point of view, believing wholeheartedly it's based on fact when we haven't even verified that fact. Um, the other thing I've noticed, too, is um, people read articles and all of a sudden they become an expert on uh, research. And they mention things like studies or did you know double blind studies or large scale clinical trials and meta analysis. And these are all words that mean things and they do mean things in particular. But if you're familiar enough with the various types of studies that exist, then you should also be familiar with their pros and cons and their strengths and limitations. And also, you should be aware that the people or the groups or entities that are most familiar with these particular products are also the ones that are going to be the most capable of gaming them in a way. If billions of dollars were at stake and I was the only one in a position as the CEO of a company to have a large-scale clinical trial in support of a particular product that I would really like to do well, and I've justified to myself and to my uh, subordinates why it needs to be successful, well then, I will find a way to game the double-blind large-scale clinical trial. And it's not as if that somehow I'm inferring or insinuating that somehow this occurred, but the fact is, is that anything can be gamed. All you need to do is know the rules. And so I think it's weird that everyone has become an expert in uh, scientific terminology in the modern era because they've read some handful of articles from whatever biased news media outlet that they frequent. And really, we, we have this unwillingness to really deal with the content at all, right? Because dealing with the content itself, the actual document, the actual argument and debating it with somebody, discussing it, maybe stating a point of view or reaching a conclusion, then having someone respond to it. That's something that none of us are interested in doing. And that's why we find ourselves in these political silos now between apparently us versus them versus whatever modern category you would like. Although in the middle of the pandemic, apparently your vaccination status is a uh, worthwhile endeavor to uh, divide your community into, which is an incredibly stupid thing uh, to do, in my opinion. And I thought that Canadians had known better, but perhaps um, being Canadian does not prevent us from still remaining human, I suppose, at the end of the day. But because we have a complete disinterest in dealing with the content of anything, the actual facts that would comprise something, and even then they might be unreliable and just tools of authority, we just kind of take on faith what it is that we tend to believe. And it deals uh, a lot with 
the realm of science in this. And science is the word that has taken the biggest beating during these last two years. Um, now, we've rebranded science, apparently, as being not only not a process, but also a collection of facts that an individual or an entity can obtain or possess. And somehow these products of a scientific approach constitute science themselves. That's not science. Um, science is, if it's anything, has to be a process where it tries to correct for any intrinsic bias that the experimenter has. And the reason for that is because we as humans are going to find ways to confirm or reconfirm during research and during studies what we would like to be the case. That's part of being human, right? We have these heuristics that run in our brain and we lawyer ourselves in order to reach conclusions that we wanted to reach in the first place. Our brain is not a judge at all, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's much more like a lawyer. And so the purpose of science is to provide us with a toolkit in order to have a way to correct for that bias. And that means that most things that should be produced through a legitimate scientific process should be disconfirming. They should actually obliterate your pretense and what it is that you wanted to have happen. Because without it serving that purpose, it would just be like any other tool where we confirm through our own bias exactly what we wanted in the first place. And so it is not a consensus organ. It's not there to reach conclusions that are going to be right. It is generally going to be used in order to disconfirm something you tend to believe is the case or you hope to believe is the case. And then through enough experiment, it will correct for any extraneous bias that might be creating a noise that's interfering with the signal that might represent the truth. And so when someone says that something is scientific or the science, which makes me cringe every time I hear it, they're not really talking about science at all. It has become a word, much like mis- and disinformation, that no longer really means anything and apparently means everything at the same time. And so keep these things in mind when you hear people talk, because they should indicate to you who it is that you should probably shouldn't listen to anymore, um, because they're either not saying anything that means anything or they're trying to convince you of something that may not be the case. And lastly, I want to touch on in this particular um, episode about the fuss about Joe Rogan. And I find it really weird that this has been something people have become obsessed with. Um, it really has to do with free speech. And when it comes to free speech and it comes to missing disinformation, no one ever said that those things were easy and no one ever said that those things were comfortable. We had learned that they were necessary. And because of the framing and the elaborations I'd given you earlier on what might be true, what missing disinformation is, categorizing Joe Rogan or any guest he has as being a source of misinformation is 
ludicrous. It's not any more or less a source of mis or disinformation than anyone else or anything else is. And if you think that that's the case, then maybe you should confirm or disconfirm whatever claims are being made and then determine whether or not that actually is the case. But I find that usually people that don't like the idea of information like this being out there is because they think that somehow putting information out there for people to be able to consume it in whatever way they please, it may inevitably cause people to believe something that will interfere with the progress of whatever mandate uh, provision exists and therefore will delay returning back to normal life as quickly as we possibly could. The problem is, is that Joe Rogan has nothing to do with that. Um, he's just putting information out like anyone else does. Um, and we all uh, dispense our fair share of information that could either be verified or not verified. And ultimately, we're supposed to leave it up to people to make decisions for themselves. Um, that is, unless you don't believe that people should be able to make decisions for themselves. And so the uh, censorious instinct that comes with a preoccupation of silencing anybody has to do with a shortcoming of yours or of a government because of your failure to adequately persuade someone of your argument. And therefore, you are threatened by the fact that someone else may have a differing point of view that might be equally incapable of persuading them, or maybe their argument is more persuasive than yours. But how you fight against that, if you believe that something he has said or one of his guests has said is wrong, is you come up with a more persuasive argument. If you can't do that, well, then I would say that you're the one that falls squarely in the position of disseminating mis- or disinformation and are as far as possible from what the truth may look like. And so I find it weird that somehow we have forgotten that free speech and the free exchange of ideas has never been a clean endeavor. It's always been messy, but it's necessary. And the desire to silence someone simply indicts you for your failure to convey an argument well or persuasively. And as a result, you don't have any business caring that people actually don't want to listen to you. You should maybe be humbled by that or recalibrate where it is that you might be going with how you think. I don't care either way about what happens to Joe Rogan. I'm sure he will be totally fine. But I've noticed this pageantry and theatrics of these celebrities discussing things and people going after him from the government to just be a completely a useless diversion from what could actually be being discussed. And in a way, Joe Rogan seems to have guests on that are discussing precisely the things that we should be discussing that the establishment has failed to address or seems unwilling to address. And so as a result, the fact that someone that's doing that is being sought to be censored uh, is very telling uh, because the argument against that would be to persuade people of a different conclusion. And then if you believe them to be reasonable, then they will believe you. Uh, that is unless you don't believe people are reasonable. And so in this instance, a desire to deplatform somebody um, by on behalf of the government would be just you being complicit in them 
carrying out your authoritarian point of view because of your own failure to make an adequate argument or at least articulate it well uh, on behalf of you that way that person can be silenced because people are all dumber than you and they just they can't be left to their own devices uh, we need to tell them what to think um, the government is what's preventing you from getting your rights back and they're the one that took them from you in the first place and so I think that would be good for everyone to keep that in mind. I think that's all I have to say about this. I'm hoping this video wasn't too long. I'm going to have two more coming out. Um, one that has to do with democracy and one that has to do with humanity. But I hope everyone stays safe. And maybe you'll like this video. Maybe you won't. But I feel like more people should start engaging in honest discourse. And I expect that maybe you should be able to hear something I have to say without it triggering you emotionally. That is, unless you aren't nearly as mature of an adult as you'd like to believe yourself to be, because part of that comes with it, the ability to actually hear a differing point of view and not be bothered by the fact that other people with different points of view exist and they're equally capable of demanding value and respect. So, Take care of yourselves and one another, and I'll have a couple more videos coming out soon. See ya.